0: Chapter 15 Ways Opening. I attended the funeral of Mr. Leavenworth, but did not see the ladies before or after the ceremony. I, however, had a few moments' conversation with Mr. Harwell, which, without eliciting anything new, provided me with food for abundant conjecture. For he had asked, almost at first greeting, if I had seen the telegram of the night before, and when I responded in the affirmative, turned such a look of mingled distress and appeal upon me, I was tempted to ask how such a frightful insinuation against a young lady of reputation and breeding could ever have gotten to the papers. It was his reply that struck me. That the guilty party might be driven by remorse to own himself the true culprit. A curious remark to come from a person who had no knowledge or suspicion of the criminal and his character and I would have pushed the conversation further, but the secretary, who was a man of few words, drew off at this, and could be induced to say no more. Evidently, it was my business to cultivate Mr. Clavering, or anyone else who could throw any light upon the secret history of these girls. That evening, I received notice that Mr. Veely had arrived home, but was in no condition to consult with me upon so painful a subject as the murder of Mr. Leavenworth. Also, a line from Eleanor, giving me her address, but requesting me at the same time not to call unless I had something of importance to communicate, as she was too ill to receive visitors. The little note affected me, ill, alone, and in a strange home. It was pitiful. The next day, pursuant to the wishes of Mr. Grice, in I stepped into the Hoffman house and took a seat in the reading room. I had been there but a few moments— "'when a gentleman entered, whom I immediately recognized "'as the same I had spoken to on the corner of 37th Street and 6th Avenue. "'He must have remembered me also, "'for he seemed to be slightly embarrassed at seeing me. "'But recovering himself, took up a paper, "'and soon became to all appearance lost in its contents, "'though I could feel his handsome black eye upon me, "'studying my features, figure, apparel, and movements,' "'with a degree of interest which equally astonished and disconcerted me. "'I felt that it would be injudicious on my part "'to return his scrutiny, anxious as I was, to meet his eye, "'and learn what emotion had so fired his curiosity "'in regard to a perfect stranger. "'So I rose, and crossing to an old friend of mine "'who sat at a table opposite, commenced a desultory conversation, "'in the course of which I took occasion "'to ask if he knew who the handsome stranger was.' "'Dick Furbish was a society man, and knew everybody. "'His name is Clavering, and he comes from London. "'I don't know anything more about him, "'though he is to be seen everywhere except in private houses. "'He has not been received into society yet, "'waiting for letters of introduction, perhaps. "'A gentleman? Undoubtedly. "'One you speak to? Oh, yes. I talk to him. "'But the conversation is very one-sided.' I could not help smiling at the grimace with which Dick accompanied this remark. Which same goes to prove, he went on, that he is the real thing. Laughing outright this time, I left him, and in a few minutes sauntered from the room. As I mingled again with the crowd on Broadway, I found myself wondering immensely over this slight experience. that this unknown gentleman from London, who went everywhere except into private houses— could be in any way connected with the affair I had so at heart, seemed not only improbable, but absurd, and for the first time I felt tempted to doubt the sagacity of Mr. Grice in recommending him to my attention. The next day I repeated the experiment, but with no greater success than before. Mr. Clavering came into the room, but seeing me did not remain. I began to realize it was no easy matter to make his acquaintance. To atone for my disappointment, I called on Mary Leavenworth in the evening. She received me with almost a sister-like familiarity. "'Ah!' she cried, after introducing me to an elderly lady at her side, some connection of the family, I believe, who had come to remain with her for a while. "'You are here to tell me Hannah is found. "'Is it not so?' I shook my head, sorry to disappoint her, "'No,' said I, "'not yet. "'But Mr. Grice was here today, "'and he told me he hoped she would be heard from within twenty-four hours. "'Mr. Grice? Here?' "'Yes. Came to report how matters were progressing, "'not that they seem to have advanced very far. "'You could hardly have expected that yet. "'You must not be so easily discouraged. "'But I cannot help it. "'Every day, every hour that passes in this uncertainty— It's like a mountain weight here. And she laid one trembling hand upon her bosom. I would have the whole world at work. I would leave no stone unturned. I... What would you do? Oh, I don't know, she cried, her whole manner suddenly changing. Nothing, perhaps. Then before I could reply to this, Have you seen Eleanor today? I answered in the negative. She did not seem satisfied, but waited till her friend left the room before saying more. Then... "'with an earnest look, inquired if I knew whether Eleanor was well. "'I fear she's not,' I returned. "'It is a great trial to me, Eleanor being away. "'Not,' she resumed, noting perhaps my incredulous look, "'that I would have you think I wish to disclaim my share "'in bringing about the present unhappy state of things. "'I am willing to acknowledge I was the first to propose a separation, "'but it is none the easier to bear on that account.' "'It is not as hard for you as for her,' said I. "'Not as hard? Why? "'Because she is left comparatively poor while I am rich? "'Is that what you would say?' "'Ah,' she went on, without waiting for my answer. "'Would I could persuade Eleanor to share my riches with me? "'Willingly would I bestow upon her the half I have received. "'But I fear she could never be induced "'to accept so much as a dollar from me. "'Under the circumstances,' it would be better for her not to. Just what I thought. Yet it would ease me of a great weight if she would. This fortune, suddenly thrown into my lap, sits like an incubus upon me, Mr. Raymond. When the will was read today, which makes me possessor of so much wealth, I could not but feel that a heavy, blinding pall had settled upon me, spotted with blood and woven of horrors. Ah! Ah! "'how different from the feelings with which I have been accustomed "'to anticipate this day. "'For Mr. Raymond,' she went on, with a hurried gasp, "'dreadful as it seems now, "'I have been reared to look forward to this hour with pride, "'if not with actual longing. "'Money has been made so much of in my small world. "'Not that I wish in this evil time of retribution "'to lay blame upon anyone, least of all upon my uncle. "'But from the day twelve years ago,' when for the first time he took us in his arms, and looking down upon our childish faces, exclaimed, "'The light-haired one pleases me best. "'She shall be my heiress. "'I have been petted, cajoled, and spoiled, "'called little princess and uncle's darling, "'till it is only strange I retain in this prejudiced breast "'any of the impulses of generous womanhood. "'Yes, though I was aware from the first that whim alone,' had raised this distinction between myself and cousin, a distinction which superior beauty, worth, or accomplishments could never have drawn, Eleanor being more than my equal in all these things. Pausing, she choked back the sudden sob that rose in her throat with an effort at self-control which is at once touching and admirable. Then, while my eyes stole to her face, murmured in a low, appealing voice, If I have faults, "'you see there is some slight excuse for them. "'Arrogance, vanity, and selfishness "'being considered in the gay young heiress "'as no more than so many assertions of a laudable dignity. "'Ah, ah!' she bitterly exclaimed. "'Money alone has been the ruin of us all.' "'Then, with a falling of her voice, "'And now it has come to me with its heritage of evil, "'and I, I would give it all, for... "'But this is weakness.' I have no right to afflict you with my griefs. Pray forget all I have said, Mr. Raymond, or regard my complaints as the utterances of an unhappy girl loaded down with sorrows and oppressed by the weight of many perplexities and terrors. But I do not wish to forget, I replied. You have spoken some good words, manifested much noble emotion. Your possessions cannot but prove a blessing to you if you enter upon them with such feelings as these.' but with a quick gesture she ejaculated, "'Impossible! They cannot prove a blessing.' Then, as if startled at her own words, bit her lip, and hastily added, "'Very great wealth is never a blessing.' "'And now,' said she, with a total change of manner, "'I wish to address you on a subject "'which may strike you as ill-timed, "'but which, nevertheless, I must mention, "'if the purpose I have at heart is ever to be accomplished.' My uncle, as you know, was engaged at the time of his death in writing a book on Chinese customs and prejudices. It was a work which he was anxious to see published, and naturally I desire to carry out his wishes. But in order to do so, I find it necessary not only to interest myself in the matter now, Mr. Harwell's services being required, and it being my wish to dismiss that gentleman as soon as possible— "'but to find someone competent to supervise its completion. "'Now I have heard, I have been told, "'that you were the one of all others to do this, "'and though it is difficult, if not improper, "'for me to ask so great a favor of one "'who but a week ago was a perfect stranger to me, "'it would afford me the keenest pleasure "'if you would consent to look over this manuscript "'and tell me what remains to be done. "'The timidity with which these words were uttered proved her to be in earnest, and I could not but wonder at the strange coincidence of this request with my secret wishes, it having been a question with me for some time how I was to gain free access to this house without in any way compromising either its inmates or myself. I did not know then that Mr. Grice had been the one to recommend me to her favor in this respect, but whatever satisfaction I may have experienced I felt myself in duty bound to plead my incompetence for a task so entirely out of the line of my profession, and to suggest the employment of someone better acquainted with such matters than myself. But she would not listen to me. "'Mr. Harwell has notes and memoranda in plenty,' she exclaimed, "'and can give you all the information necessary. You will have no difficulty. Indeed, you will not.' "'But cannot Mr. Harwell himself do all that is requisite?' "'He seems to be a clever and diligent young man.' "'But she shook her head. "'He thinks he can, but I know Uncle never trusted him "'with the composition of a single sentence. "'But perhaps he will not be pleased, Mr. Harwell, I mean, "'with the intrusion of a stranger into his work.' "'She opened her eyes with astonishment. "'That makes no difference,' she cried. "'Mr. Harwell is in my pay and has nothing to say about it. "'But he will not object.' "'I have already consulted him, "'and he expresses himself as satisfied with the arrangement.' "'Very well,' said I. "'Then I will promise to consider the subject. "'I can at any rate look over the manuscript "'and give you my opinion of its condition.' "'Oh, thank you,' said she, "'with the prettiest gesture of satisfaction. "'How kind you are, and what can I ever do to repay you? "'But would you like to see Mr. Carwell himself?' "'And she moved towards the door,' but suddenly paused, whispering, with a short shudder of remembrance, "'He is in the library. Do you mind?' Crushing down the sick qualm that arose at the mention of that spot, I replied in the negative, "'The papers are all there, "'and he says he can work better in his old place than anywhere else. "'But if you wish, I can call him down.' "'But I would not listen to this, "'and myself led the way to the foot of the stairs.' "'I have sometimes thought I would lock up that room,' she hurriedly observed. "'But something restrains me. "'I can no more do so than I can leave this house. "'A power, beyond myself, forces me to confront all its horrors. "'And yet I suffer continually from terror. "'Sometimes, in the darkness of the night— "'But I will not distress you. "'I have already said too much. "'Come.' "'And with a sudden lift of the head, she mounted the stairs. "'Mr. Harwell was seated— when we entered that fatal room, in the one chair of all others I expected to see unoccupied. And as I beheld his meager figure, bending where such a little while before his eyes had encountered the outstretched form of his murdered employer, I could not but marvel over the unimaginativeness of the man who, in the face of such memories, could not only appropriate that very spot for his own use, but pursues avocations there with so much calmness and evident precision. But in another moment I discovered that the disposition of the light in the room made that one seat the only desirable one for his purpose, and instantly my wonder changed to admiration at this quiet surrender of personal feeling to the requirements of the occasion. He looked up mechanically as we came in, but did not rise, his countenance wearing the absorbed expression which bespeaks the preoccupied mind, "'He is utterly oblivious,' Mary whispered. "'That is a way of his. "'I doubt if he knows who or what it is that has disturbed him.' "'And, advancing into the room, "'she passed across his line of vision, "'as if to call attention to herself, "'and said, "'I have brought Mr. Raymond upstairs to see you, Mr. Harwell. "'He has been so kind as to accede to my wishes "'in regard to the completion of the manuscript now before you.' "'Slowly Mr. Harwell rose,' "'wiped his pen and put it away, "'manifesting, however, a reluctance in doing so "'that proved this interference to be in reality "'anything but agreeable to him. "'Observing this, I did not wait for him to speak, "'but took up the pile of manuscript "'arranged in one mass on the table, saying, "'This seems to be very clearly written. "'If you will excuse me, I will glance over it "'and thus learn something of its general character.' "'He bowed. "'uttered a word or so of acquiescence. "'Then, as Mary left the room, "'awkwardly reseated himself and took up his pen. "'Instantly, the manuscript, "'and all connected with it, vanished from my thoughts. "'And Eleanor, her situation, "'and the mystery surrounding this family, "'returned upon me with renewed force. "'Looking the secretary steadily in the face, I remarked, "'I am very glad of this opportunity "'of seeing you a moment alone, Mr. Harwell.' if only for the purpose of saying, "'Anything in regard to the murder?' "'Yes,' I began. "'Then you must pardon me,' he respectfully but firmly replied. "'It is a disagreeable subject which I cannot bear to think of, much less discuss.' Disconcerted, and what was more convinced of the impossibility of obtaining any information from this man, I abandoned the attempt. And taking up the manuscript once more, endeavored to master in some small degree "'the nature of its contents. "'Succeeding beyond my hopes, "'I opened a short conversation with him in regard to it, "'and finally, coming to the conclusion "'I could accomplish what Miss Leavenworth desired, "'left him and descended again to the reception room. "'When an hour or so later I withdrew from the house, "'it was with the feeling that one obstacle "'had been removed from my path.' If I failed in what I had undertaken, it would not be from lack of opportunity of studying the inmates of this dwelling. Chapter 16. The Will of a Millionaire The next morning's tribune contained a synopsis of Mr. Leavenworth's will. Its provisions were a surprise to me, for, while the bulk of his immense estate was, according to the general understanding, bequeathed to his niece, Mary... It appeared by a codicil attached to his will some five years before that Eleanor was not entirely forgotten, she having been made the recipient of a legacy which, if not large, was at least sufficient to support her in comfort. After listening to the various comments of my associates on the subject, I proceeded to the house of Mr. Grice, in obedience to his request to call upon him as soon as possible after the publication of the will. "'Good morning,' he remarked as I entered. "'But whether addressing me "'or the frowning top of the desk "'before which he was sitting it "'would be difficult to say. "'Won't you sit?' "'Nodding, with a curious back movement of his head "'towards a chair in his rear. "'I drew up the chair to his side. "'I am curious to know,' I remarked, "'what you have to say about this will "'and its probable effect upon the matters we have in hand. "'What is your own idea in regard to it? Well, I think upon the whole it will make but little difference in public opinion. Those who thought Eleanor guilty before will feel that they possess now greater cause than ever to doubt her innocence, while those who have hitherto hesitated to suspect her will not consider that the comparatively small amount bequeathed her would constitute an adequate motive for so great a crime. You've heard men talk. What seems to be the general opinion among those you converse with that the motive of the tragedy will be found in the partiality shown in so singular a will, though how they do not profess to know. Mr. Grice suddenly became interested in one of the small drawers before him. "'And all this has not set you thinking,' said he. "'Thinking,' returned I, "'I don't know what you mean. "'I am sure I have done nothing but think for the last three days. "'I—' "'Of course, of course,' he cried. "'I didn't mean to say anything disagreeable.' "'And so, have you seen Mr. Clavering?' "'Just seen him, no more. "'And are you going to assist Mr. Harwell "'in finishing Mr. Leavenworth's book? "'How did you learn that?' "'He only smiled. "'Yes,' said I, "'Miss Leavenworth has requested me to do her that little favor.' "'She is a queenly creature,' he exclaimed in a burst of enthusiasm. "'Then, with an instant return to his business-like tone, "'You're going to have opportunities, Mr. Raymond.' Now, there are two things I want you to find out. First, what is the connection between these ladies and Mr. Clavering? There is a connection, then? Undoubtedly. And secondly, what is the cause of the unfriendly feeling which evidently exists between the cousins? I drew back and pondered the position offered me. A spy in a fair woman's house? How could I reconcile it with my natural instincts as a gentleman?' "'Cannot you find someone better adapted "'to learn these secrets for you?' I asked at length. "'The part of a spy is anything but agreeable to my feelings, "'I assure you.' "'Mr. Grice's brows fell. "'I will assist Mr. Harwell "'in his efforts to arrange Mr. Leavenworth's manuscript "'for the press,' I said. "'I will give Mr. Clavering an opportunity "'to form my acquaintance, "'and I will listen if Miss Leavenworth chooses "'to make me her confidant in any way.' "'But any hearkening at doors, surprises, unworthy feints, "'or ungentlemanly subterfuges, "'I herewith disclaim as outside of my province, "'my task being to find out what I can in an open way, "'and yours to search into the nooks and corners "'of this wretched business. "'In other words, you are to play the hound, "'and I the mole, just so I know it belongs to a gentleman. "'And now,' said I, "'what news of Hannah?' He shook both hands, high in the air. None. I cannot say I was greatly surprised that evening when, upon descending from an hour's labor with Mr. Harwell, I encountered Miss Leavenworth standing at the foot of the stairs. There had been something in her bearing the night before which prepared me for another interview this evening, though her manner of commencing it was a surprise. Mr. Raymond, said she, with an air of marked embarrassment, I want to ask you a question. I believe you to be a good man, and I know you will answer me conscientiously as a brother would," she added, lifting her eyes for a moment to my face. "I know it will sound strange, but remember, I have no adviser but you, and I must ask someone. Mr. Raymond, do you think a person could do something that was very wrong and yet grow to be thoroughly good afterwards?" "Certainly," I replied if he were truly sorry for his fault. But say it was more than a fault. Say it was an actual harm. Would not the memory of that one evil hour cast a lasting shadow over one's life? That depends upon the nature of the harm and its effect upon others. If one had irreparably injured a fellow being, it would be hard for a person of sensitive nature to live a happy life afterwards. Though the fact of not living a happy life ought to be no reason why one should not live a good life. But to live a good life, would it be necessary to reveal the evil you had done? Cannot one go on and do right without confessing to the world a past wrong? Yes, unless by its confession he can in some way make reparation. My answer seemed to trouble her. Drawing back, she stood for one moment in a thoughtful attitude before me. Her beauty, shining with almost a statuesque splendor, in the glow of the porcelain-shaded lamp at her side. Nor, though she presently roused herself leading the way into the drawing-room with a gesture that was allurement itself, did she recur to this topic again, but rather seemed to strive, in the conversation that followed, to make me forget what had already passed between us. That she did not succeed was owing to my intense and unfailing interest in her cousin." As I descended the stoop, I saw Thomas, the butler, leaning over the area gate. Immediately, I was seized with an impulse to interrogate him in regard to a matter which had more or less interested me ever since the inquest, and that was, who was the Mr. Robbins who had called upon Eleanor the night of the murder? But Thomas was decidedly uncommunicative. He remembered such a person called, but could not describe his looks any further than to say that he was not a small man. I did not press the matter. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.